In this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about crypto on radios, what they're for, and address a viewer's question about law enforcement, more and more switching to it, and what I think of it. We're also going to address a little bit from my last podcast, since it's been almost a week, or about a week, regarding having loss and some ideas I think might help you. That's a little bit outside of gray, man. The other thing is, we're going to do follow-up to the video on Active Shooter, address a question and answer for it. I think it's going to be good, too, to help out for when the interview gets published that I was on. And I think those are subjects you'll be interested in. So we got some crypto, some questions about a guy who's now going to be a skip tracer or bounty hunter, and a little bit about loss in the family and things we can do to deal with it. That's what we're going to talk about right here on Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight. Guys, I am sucking. I think I've slept more in the last two weeks than I did in three years of deployments to the Middle East. I keep going in and out and not feeling good. Just dragging. No energy whatsoever. I don't know what it is. I sound pretty good today. I've been wanting to get on here like the last two or three days. I don't have anything published on the social media. Actually, for a while, I was hurting just to look at computer screens or even my iPad. It's been rough. I don't know what's going on. But we're going to go back here. I got a guy here, JB, we'll say his name is, on April 6th. He had a question about police radio communications. He said, what do you think about a lot of police departments now encrypting all of the radio communication that once used to be publicly available? Do you think that putting them on a delay would have been just as effective? I think only a handful of departments have opted for the delay, as who knows how much encryption costs. Yeah, I don't know what it costs. I didn't even realize that it could cost you money. Now, in the military, because that's my biggest understanding of how the technology works, which is minimal, although it does exist in almost everything else I've used, you know, everything that's computer systems and Intel reporting satellites, all that stuff's encrypted. So some of you are probably going to know more about this than me, but I'm just going to give you a general idea. In the military, we have this little box. That's what I always call it. I don't even like to say what it is. You know, I don't, I don't think it's classified that has all of our radio stuff on there. It has our call signs, our frequencies, and it has what we call the timing. And when we put all that on the radio, we call it fill in the radio. We call it the fill, anything you're going to put on there. You're filling it with information. Now, the way that one works is it does frequency hopping. So it has whatever frequency you're supposed to be on. It hops around in a certain window of ranges multiple times, like a second or something. But not only that, it has to be in time. So you have to be on the exact to the fraction of the second time with that information in order to stay on the net, meaning being able to communicate. So when you take this box and you fill the radio, put your encryption on there, you should be good to go and usually are. Now that box, I don't know how long it takes for that box to fall out of sync. I don't even know if it does. But they update it regularly. But the radio itself, depending on where you're at or if you're turning it off a lot, there's a lot of factors that go into it. It could fall out of sync in a matter of hours or at least will in a day or two, most likely. And then you either have to fill it again to get it in time or you have to do an over-the-air rekey, which you have to know who you're talking to. It has to be known that you're doing it. And typically it's done with another radio sitting right there where they can pull you back in the net, basically pull you into time. So on your question, 
when you're talking about the time delay, I'm not sure how different that is than what I'm describing. And I'm not sure how they're doing the encryption. By the way you're asking that question, I'm guessing that whatever the time delay is, maybe there's a way people have figured out around it to listen into it. So on a personal note, I'll say that I don't care. But I also don't care that they're doing it. Like, I don't care as and it doesn't matter to me. The other thing I'll say I don't care about is it doesn't bother me that they're doing it, and I think they should. Like, I get it. People want to listen to that stuff. I, I guess it depends on why you're listening to it. It's not our job to police the police. I mean, some people think it is their job. I don't think it is. If we differ on that, no big deal. I know it's fun to do. I realize that you can't always hear them on a scanner if they're encrypted. I imagine whatever they're doing, somebody's going to invent the technology to somewhat defeat it to make scanners work, I suppose, especially when you get stuff that's more software-based. I'm sure that's going to be just like everything on computers in general, getting around the firewall type thing. But I, I don't think it's a good idea necessarily for people to be able to hear that all the time. Now, there's benefits to it, of course. You know, statistically by number, I think there's enough smartphones out there just about everybody could have one even babies there's a lot of them out there in service and you can get free apps to listen to a scanner and that could be useful in an emergency that could be useful if you had to make that call or if you're out stuck somewhere and you got that one last phone call off to get search and rescue and then you go to your scanner or whatever to listen to them coming in i think there's uses for that you know it's fun to listen to them sometimes i think some people listen to them and record stuff and you know, there's ways they want to use it in the case the cops do something bad. I understand all that stuff. I really do. But I think it's a good thing because there's things like, I don't know what the name is for them, those guys that, uh, you know, chase police, chase ambulance chasers or whatever, whether they're lawyers or guys trying to sell photos to a newspaper or whatever. I get that that's their business, but they can't interfere. They can't cause problems. Not that you shouldn't be able to go see something if something happens, but you get too many people in a situation that's critical. That can interfere with an investigation. That can interfere with emergency services responding. You know, I, I understand all that. But my general opinion is that it's a good thing. I don't think that's something necessarily that needs to be out there. Now, at the end of the day... All the people that would complain about it, I think it's going to be minimal overall compared to the population. I think it's still minimal overall compared to the population, how many people listen to it, and then depending on what they do with it. But I overall, I think it's a good thing. I don't think it matters a whole lot. If you know, though, exactly what types of encryption they're using or the companies, what they pay for that information or how this time delay works that they that you mentioned, Send that to me and I'll look more into it. See what I can find out. What I'd also be interested in, because I'm not going to look this up if anybody out there is interested in this, how it's being done and where. You know, is there different types of Christians being used in different areas, time delays in different areas? Is that different? What's the requirement to do it? Is is it a city passing an ordinance? Is it some sort of state legislation? You know, what's all the stuff behind it? I'm more interested in the hows it's being done, how the technology is working and how it's being implemented and why, not necessarily arguments for or against. I mean, you can send me that if you want, but if you can find that, send it to me. 
I'd be interested to see that and see exactly kind of what they're talking about, what the deal is there. That would be definitely something I'd be interested in checking. Now, this other one I'm going to look at here is I'm going to leave this one anonymous. And let me see. I'm scanning through it real quick because parts of it I don't want to read because it's personal. I don't know that the person would be upset that I shared this, but I want to keep the real personal stuff out of there. So I'll skip part of it, but it it gives me his name. He says, I've been listening, watching to your show for a couple of years. Lately, I've been wanting to reach out and become more involved in this community. I want to tell you, you know who you are when I get into this, which community you're talking about. Just so I'm clear. But he says, however, both the amount of questions I could take up months of podcasts and are evolving constantly. Ask me all the questions you want. I was interested in your last podcast, prompt me to take initiative, finally reach out. My last podcast was when I talked about I'd been gone for like three weeks and all the stuff that had gone on, but I'd mentioned my sister dying and just what I do to deal with it. And this individual had a loss, a personal loss in the family. And if you're wondering if this is you, you're the only person who sent me this, so it's definitely you. I want to thank you for sharing. It reinforces what I believe to be sacred and healthy way to process the absence. So when I mention that, it kind of sucks because, you know, people always give you advice when things are bad, especially if somebody dies. But for anything, you lose your job. Just got to get back out there. You know, you got a divorce, broke up. With somebody, you got to get back out there. You just got to get over it. Everybody always wants to tell us how to feel. And some of it gets touchy. And no matter how much they love us, we're like, shut up. I try not to give advice on any of this unless I'm directly asked or, and usually when I'm directly asked, somebody I know very well, very close to, somebody that will take that advice. And most of the time I don't even give them advice. I just listen to them or tell them what I've done. I can tell you things that have helped me. When I first got out of the military, I was like a lot of people. Transitioning was difficult. It was more about medical care was a big part of it. And then I had, in my last year in the military, I had started going to see like a counselor to work through things that had been bothering me. That was helpful because there were things I thought were wrong or that I felt bad about, that I realized were normal and I shouldn't feel bad about them. And I mostly felt bad that I didn't feel bad about some things, found out that was normal, and then found out some things I thought were okay or probably should be addressed. So even if you're capable financially and willing to go speak to a professional, say a psychologist or a psychiatrist, whatever, somebody who does this for a living, a pro, preferably somebody you don't know, makes it easier, I think. Sometimes in just meeting them three, four times, you can get some good tips and advice that can help you out with stuff. Another thing I did was when I went and spoke with people at the VA, they had two basic kind of programs that they said were proven to work. Now, I didn't get all the in-depth details, but the general idea of the programs is one was a thing they did that had to do with like group, group therapy, essentially sitting down with a bunch of people. I was not doing that because things were personal. They weren't things I was going to open up to people I didn't know about, nor did I want to make friends with them. So the other option was to sit down and talk just directly with like a counselor. And mine was a psychologist and approaching things that way. 
through that, there's things I did like journaling that I shied away from and just seemed like BS to me, like a diary, but it was helpful. I still do it sometimes. So there's times when things aren't going well, or even if things have been fine, but it's just been a few weeks, I'll sit down and just journal. I'll just sit down and write things, what I think, what I feel, whatever. I'll just randomly write down thoughts that just come out and I find it helpful. It doesn't help me to talk about it to just rank random people, but writing this stuff down. Sometimes I write down things that I miss or I write down things I want to do. Just, you know, all those random things we think in our head. And then you do what you want with that. Burn it, keep it, go back and look at it later, see if you made progress, see if you feel better that day. There's a lot of options there. But that's something else that you can do. But what he's addressing is how I mentioned that you know, my sister had died. So when her birthday comes around, which is not the time of year she died, things don't go so well. I look at the calendar. I'm like, oh, this is when my sister died. And then I'm fine. And then I just think about all the good things, good experiences, which this individual thought, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. That's, that's helping me out. And I'm glad that it does. There's a lot of information out there and stuff that can help you out. You, it's just a question of what you think is going to work worth trying. It's, it's more of, I think it's like more of what you're willing to do because you don't really know if it's going to work. You know, everybody's got an opinion. I would say this stuff has worked for somebody, but that doesn't mean it's going to work for you. But what are you willing to try? Maybe go that route. That's that's the biggest thing. But hopefully, whoever you are, or you'll find a way to communicate this people they're doing to you is tell them, hey, stop telling me how to feel. Stop telling me it's okay to feel. I know this. That's why I'm feeling. Stop telling me how to fix it because you're just telling me I'm broken. You know, I didn't ask you for your advice, so shut up and leave me alone. And you know what? If you have to say it like that, fuck them. If they're uh, putting too much pressure on you, then maybe they need to be put in their place. Just a thought. Now, this next one from this individual talks about how he has been looking at information about private investigators because I had mentioned that. I mentioned a couple of contacted me and I was interviewed by one. I don't know if this is a guy or a girl because of the name, so I'm just going to say he because it's normally what I default to because I'm a guy, I guess. And it says, uh, so at 18, he joins the Marine Corps like family members had. Did pretty good on the ASVAB, so he got into intelligence in the Marine Corps. And it says intelligence specialist, which by title and MOS, I didn't look it up, so I don't know what that's equivalent to in the Army. That could be the general category, and from there you get a specific field. I'm not sure. There's some books he read that really got him into it. Being 18 at the time, which I'm guessing wasn't too long ago, mentions his dad actually served in Iraq. And then went down to Camp Pendleton and was doing MMA, mixed martial arts, and then got hurt. Hurt bad enough that he had to leave the military, unfortunately. And that's an overview of the first part. And it goes on to say, I wrote this message to let you know how I became interested and then I finally found a career. I can implement the strategies and practices of intelligence gathering and even tradecraft. I just became certified as a bail recovery agent, which is people call Skip Tracer or Bounty Hunter. With the intent of becoming a private investigator, you mentioned in the last podcast you were contacted by a couple recently. I realized... Fugitive recovery agent may be looked at as less professional than a PI. I suppose in some circles it is. 
But I wanted to ask you if you had any thoughts that applied to the profession that I could implement as novice. Okay. My job is to locate fugitives for a bail agent who did not fulfill their agreement to show up to court. I will usually start with only a name, but also contact information to a family member, friend who co-signed. Ideally, I start with some kind of lead and start my investigation. I'm legally able to arrest only my skip and use force if met with equal or escalated force. I'm not going to address that because I don't know how that stuff works, but we're going to address the things you might, might help you. I'm not protected by qualified immunity as law enforcement is. It is also legal for me to enter a house without a warrant if I'm positive it's owned by the individual. However, I value the Constitution will not break the Fourth Amendment. That being said, I believe I will be in transit that I make an arrest. I live in a rural county. Lots of drugs. Let me see. And he doesn't think much of law enforcement there. Gang activity violence. Some of the stuff I'm paraphrasing because I don't think it'll help anybody find this guy, but... I skipped the unnecessary specifics. And then he talks a little bit about the stuff he, he has to carry. And uh, let's see. I hope this meets the content. You, yeah, sure it does. Okay, so things you can do. So a few things to look at. One of the things, I mean, I think this is good for everybody. I would, over time, and you'll probably start picking up on this, a lot of stuff we do on detecting exception body language I think will help you out. Remember, it takes a lot of time. It comes in clusters. There's a lot of stuff to look there, and that's like the short overview. But I would go back and listen to those. As well, situational awareness can help you out. The reason you want to be careful detecting deception body language because you're doing it on a job, and you're either going to be by yourself or only with a couple of people. Because when you're learning that stuff, even as you start to see it, remember, it's nonverbal, and most of our communication is nonverbal and subconscious, meaning... It's going to be very easy for you to give off the vibe you notice something, and they're going to pick up on it even if they're not consciously aware of it. And it can escalate very quickly. So that's something to pay attention to. Situational awareness, of course, is going to be a big one. You want to be situation aware. You want to be safe. I think where you're going to make your money, as much time as you have available anyway, making your money, meaning making the most progress for the least amount of effort, is going to be in research. So you have names and contact info. A simple Google search or whatever search engine you're using. Let's assume, I'm going to assume you have a full name, some sort of address or one or more phone numbers. I would Google all those separately. I'd also Google them with the names. Look at common variations of the name. So if the name's Robert, look up Rob, Bob, and Bobby are common. You know, if it's Jonathan, look up Jonathan, John, and Johnny in various spellings when you're Googling stuff. Search those names and just hit the state. So if you're looking in, let's say, New Mexico, um, you know, Billy Dean, Bobby Dean, Robert Dean in New Mexico, you're going to get hits. A lot of those are going to be places you have to pay for, but look up just the white pages hits you get. See if you get information that says, oh, it's, uh, you know, they're in this age range, here's relatives, and you see a relative name that hits that looks like a match or a probable match, and you may find stuff on there. You know, simple websites like Spokio. I mean, all these have paid stuff now, but I'm, I'm going for the ones that are more free. You can cross-reference those findings to see other places they've lit. So, you know, looking at this situation, people tend to go to places they know. So if you're looking at small-time guys, mostly that are drug-related guys, possibly addicts or, you know, small-time drug runners, and you find out, let's say, back in New Mexico, you're in Albuquerque, but they've been 
at four known addresses in that area in the last few years, then those are addresses you can check. When you Google those addresses specific to the person, you may find results showing when and where they've been around there. Another thing you can do is, are there any public court records that are free for you to search online without having to make an in-person request or pay on that individual? See what other information you can find or, or can you get that information through your company you're working for? All that stuff provides more contact info and historical data on where people have been. I would look at places like where they've been arrested, the details, what's the history of that place? Is it constantly used or were they just picked up through surveillance? You know, what was the situation involved in those locations and addresses? Through this process, you'll start getting hits on social media and I would be looking those up. And it's real great too when you find social media hits and you realize, oh, that's the dude because there's the photo. That's great because you'll start seeing things like how often are they posting? Are they saying where they're at? Or are they saying things like, man, the game last night was great. And you're like, okay. So at least I know they're probably a fan or you see repetitive posts that they're always watching, say, Monday Night Football. That at least guarantees you that somewhere they're sitting down and probably watching that game. They're probably doing it the same place that could help you narrow down winners of times to apprehend them. But through all this, taking their family member that has co-signed or whoever's co-signed for them and then cross-referencing, especially on social media, looking at all their stuff, who are their friends? You know, if you can see their friends list on any social media account, first thing I look at are last names, anybody with the same last name. And trying to figure out, are they in that area, number one? If they're not, how often are they liking or sharing their stuff? Gives you an idea how much contact they're in. Maybe not on the phone, but at least on social media. It means that might be somebody they've been talking to. Could be a place that they go. It's all about the research and trying to put this together. And this is just the simple stuff. I imagine you have or will have access to things people don't. I've been told that's the case with skip tracers. Really don't know. I would definitely look into that. Another thing, though, is to... Look at areas you have to go look for people. So if there's certain parts of town or certain places where you're going after people or historically your company's going after a lot of people, look at the danger level there. Like, is that a known drug haven or drug corner? How much violence happens there? Don't show up cold. Show up with information, knowing how frequent activity happens there, what's the historical stuff, how dangerous it is. Because, you know, I don't know how you're dressed when you do the job, I mean, I kind of know, but it's not like it's a secret who you are. You may choose to go and do like your own recon without any of that stuff. That's dangerous. I think it's something you should talk to more experienced people about to see how often they do it. And just to be careful. You know, you got to figure things out. Eventually, you start going to places enough, even if you show up in your own vehicle. Say it's not the same vehicle you use, which is probably unlikely. And you're just dressed normal. Eventually, they're going to remember you. It's not going to take long for them to figure it out. It's not dissimilar than a cop. They're like, yep, then there's the popo. So you have to be aware of that stuff. But basically, research historical data on the culture of your target, whether it's drugs or some other crime. How do these people act? How they behave? What kind of things can you learn about it? Learn the lingo, not just stuff you find on the internet. What's the more current terms for these types of, say, drugs, for example? What's the information on that location? How often does stuff happen? What can you find on social media? What can you find on just general internet searches? Over time, you'll actually pick up some more skills and make things a little simpler to do. 
But you can track people through social media. It can be done. It's not difficult. A lot of people post way too much stuff on there. Usually people fit certain types of profiles. One of those profiles is people that are strung out. They don't pay a lot of attention to what they do, assuming they even have time to get on social media. They're not the only ones. A lot of them are good people. They just fit certain profiles. People that put way too much information don't think about it. So those are the things to look at. Another thing to do is whatever platform you're on, look up platform for a podcast, look up private investigators or private investigation. You're going to find a series of podcasts, at least go through and look at the, you know, show titles and descriptions and look, there's going to have a lot of stuff about PI business and stuff that may eventually mean something to you because you said you want to get into that. But I would look at the ones that are about the skills they're using, like surveillance, for example, or tracking people down. You probably can get some tidbits of info. I'm sure there's probably some stuff that's similar to what I talk about, but I think they're going to have more industry-specific stuff. And those guys have books and stuff they've written that may help you out. And so I would definitely look into that realm of things. There's probably people out there that have been bounty hunters that have done the same thing. I know private investigators do it. I assume some bounty hunters have done it. But I would definitely look into that. There's going to be other podcasts and information out there on it. Of course, check YouTube. But since you're dealing with a real job, a real industry, and real danger, make sure you look these people up, whoever they are. So if they're doing a podcast, they're doing YouTube, they're writing a book, do your due diligence and look them up and say, who is this person? How long have they been doing this? What's their experience? You know, and how relevant is that experience? Like how current is it? It's great if you find a guy that's been, you know, a cop for 10 years and a private investigator for 10 years and a bounty hunter for five years. That sounds suspiciously like 25. And then let's say they got into being a cop when they turned 20. Okay, so that's 45 years and then you find out they're 72. So they've probably been out of the game for 20 years. Now, that doesn't mean they won't have good information, but that's a little different in general compared to somebody that is, yeah, all I've been as a bounty hunter for 10 years, um, but it's been the last 10 years and I'm still doing it now. Here's the things that I've learned. Might have more relevant or at least current stuff on there, but the other guy probably has some good info. But find out who they are, what their resumes are. You know, look them up on LinkedIn. They'll probably have stuff up there. Supposed to have companies. One of the things I did learn is that there are trade publications as well as trade shows. I can't remember the name of it, you know, like Comic-Con, which is just comic convention or comic book convention. There's a con, a convention for private investigators and skip tracers. I don't remember what it is. I'll have to ask that guy again. But there are conventions for that stuff. Even if you can't make one, they have links for them. You can find out the type of people they have speak there, the books they have, the products they use. Might be something cool in there that you can find. Now, one of the reasons I chose to answer this on here was I think this is helpful for everybody. A lot of people listen to this stuff, just listen to it for fun. Or they listen to it to investigate things on their own. You know, they're just one people that have, you know, watch crime show TVs or I watch this, watch the news all the time and I want to learn more how to investigate this stuff. Great. That's the kind of stuff I put out there. So I think it might be useful to some people. But yeah, if you're really into all this gray man stuff, I think it, the question would be, what are you using it for? Like if you're using it just for open source research and looking stuff up online, yeah, I think I give you information for that. If you're physically trying to find people like a skip tracer is, then yeah, I think I have some useful information for you, but you should also look at people in that industry. So cross-reference that way and figure out what kind of information is out there, what stuff, what people have knowledge you can learn from. One thing I can't stress enough, though, is training. I'm just going to say whatever equipment you're using. 
every single thing you're using and wearing that is not part of your normal everyday life and also not trained on regularly, make sure you train. You know, if you're going to be wearing body armor, which is realistic, make sure you put it on and off a few times. If you haven't worn that set a lot, make sure you're wearing it a lot. Break it in, clean it, get used to simpler ways to put it on and off. You know, I don't know that you have, you know, if you have something like firearms or tasers or stun guns, pepper spray, flex cuffs, handcuffs, whatever it is. Get all your certifications. If there's no certifications for your state, find out like, yeah, you don't need nothing for handcuffs. So that'd be great for you. But I would still find out where to, where to cops go to get trained on how to use that and go get the training. Practice with all that stuff. Make sure you definitely know what you need to do to use it. If you're still doing things like MMA, even to a small degree, just for on-the-job stuff, I would consider doing things like wearing the actual clothing and say body armor and stuff. Maybe you're not going to have all the gadgets on there because it could be dangerous, but as much stuff as you could normally wear, try rolling with somebody a little bit or doing some of the things you would do role playing and like apprehending somebody, assuming it had to go physical, like resistance of a physical encounter. So you know how to react and what it's going to be like wearing all that stuff. That's one of the huge, huge issues we had with MMA with uh, jujitsu in the army was as great and as fun as it was, a lot of guys, even the guys that went to the schools and got trained on it, some guys like me would show up, make them put them on all their gear, and then we'd have them go up against people, and it would change everything about their balance, how they'd have to do stuff, realizing how many things they carry that can somebody can just grab out and start beating them in the head with. You need to think about those things. You know, What would you do to a guy like you if you were really motivated and didn't want to get caught? So definitely take a look at all that. The last thing I'll mention that might help you is to consider, I don't know what you have to do on the job, but assuming that there's possibilities, of course, you would might have to call an ambulance, some sort of emergency services, possibly law enforcement, and maybe other variations of that, depending on where you are, because you said you're rural, so maybe search and rescue could get involved. Make sure you have all the contact information, different ways to contact these assets, but if you can, Try to figure out or ask questions about, you know, realistically, Friday night, it's 2 a.m. I'm in this part of town, something happens, and I have to call such and such. I know there's no guarantee of this, but assuming they were sitting here in the office and they had to come out there, how long would that take? And then you got to factor in, they probably have other things going on. So you understand response times because people forget that even if you're in a place where there's enough law enforcement emergency services that they can just react, which would be great. There's still a delay and there's still other stuff that goes on. So make sure you know that too. have all your ducks in a row and just be careful. That's my advice. So hopefully that helps you out. Thanks everybody for listening. If you like the show and the stuff that we do, give us a review on Apple podcasts. I saw that anchor now has a subscription service. I'm going to look at that and see what that entails. Like, I guess you can pick which ones you want to, like subscribe to, I don't know that I'm going to do it. Like the idea of making money sounds good, but the subscription world's getting out of control. Like you have to subscribe for everything now. Like if you're not paying the extra higher prices for cable, you got to subscribe to every TV show and streaming service and now podcasts. And quite frankly, I'm surprised it's taken this long. I don't know what the next step is. Maybe companies doing bundle subscription service to get access to all their different platforms. That'll probably eventually happen. So I'm probably not going to do that on here. I don't think there's a need for it. So 
we'll see. I'll, I'll check it out and see what it does. I already do the subscription on the Intel training page, and that's only because I have to. And I don't even have to put things on there for you to look. I could put everything open, but you can't interact unless you subscribe. Hopefully they don't add that to podcasts. Wouldn't that suck if you can even comment and ask questions? But that's why subscription or not, check the show notes. I got my contact info if you want to send me questions. If you're on the Intel training page, you can send them there. If you're on Facebook or Twitter, you can send them there if you want. You can send them through my email that's down there in the show notes. I'm still feeling all right. I think I'm going to record a couple more and schedule them over the next couple of days to be released, do some follow-ups on that stuff. So thanks for listening. And I will be back again shortly right here on Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight.